you have strong conformity bias, your probability, your tendency to copy the majority's behavior is disproportionately high. This is Parsing Science, the unpublished stories behind the world's most compelling science, as told by the researchers themselves. I'm Doug Lay. And I'm Ryan Wakian. Today in episode 50 of Parsing Science, we're joined by Wataru Toyokawa from the University of Konstanz in Germany. He'll talk with us about how observing and imitating others in crowds can at times enhance collective wisdom, though other times it can lead to collective madness. Here's Wataru Toyokawa. Hello, my name is Wataru Toyokawa. I'm a research scientist at the Department of Psychology in the University of Konstanz in Germany. I was born and grew up in Sendai, a northeastern city of Japan. And I went to Hokkaido University, where I focused mainly on population ecology, evolutionary biology, and fishery science, actually. And my, my ambition at the time was approaching the question like, how can we sustainably use fishery resources uh, from the perspective of ecology and evolutionary biology? But soon I realized that, wait, this is, this is rather a human social program than a purely biological program. So I realized that we need to understand collective human decision-making to achieve sustainable resource development. So becoming interested in human behavior, I went to the Department of Behavioral Science in the same Hokkaido University uh, for my master's and PhD. And I just started a new job here in Constance a few weeks ago, actually. And that's why I'm here now. Wataru began his career investigating the social behavior of animals and told us that he was especially interested in the collective behavior of insects. This led Ryan and I to ask whether humans are unique in our ability to capitalize on collective intelligence while avoiding herd mentality, or if there are other animals that display similar patterns of social learning. Many animals have excellent collective intelligence, not only social insects, but also pigeons, for example, you know, homing pigeons. You know, they are very known to uh, remember their homing route uh, very precisely, very correctly. And uh, the accuracy of homing can be improved by actually the collective intelligence or uh, social learning. And then there are many fish species uh, schooling. They are also enjoying collective intelligence by observing each other's behavior. And then they sometimes copying others, uh, the bunch of empirical uh, experimental uh, studies showing they're really good at using collective intelligence. And also, I have only said the social insect can generate collective wisdom, but even then, they sometimes show maladaptive harding when some ant species get stuck in a poor option. Now, because they are copying each other very strongly, eventually they end up walking in a circle and then they can't stop walking in a, in a circular way, and then they eventually die, maybe. These kind of stuff can happen. And so collective intelligence and maladaptive harding is kind of a heads and tails of coins. So with a slight subtle change of the interaction of individual behavior, then a group of animals can show the qualitatively different pattern of decision-making. 
Wataru's article points out that disproportionately strong conformity among ants has been shown to cause the whole colony to exploit suboptimal, outdated resources. Likewise, conformity bias decision-making in humans and other animals can potentially lead groups to converge on a maladaptive choice of behavior. So Doug and I were curious to hear more about such cases. In the late 1980s, insect researchers in Brussels put two different ant species into an equivalent experimental task separately. So in that task, there was a single food resource containing sugar solution. So they put the sugar uh, feeder outside of the nest. So the ant workers have to find food resource. And then because there was only one sugar feeder, ants can easily find it and they start exploiting the sugar resource from, from there. After that, the researcher put another feeder, which has denser sugar solution, containing richer sugar resource. So they put the new, better um, option to the opposite side of the experimental arena. So now the ants have two options. The poor option that is originally introduced and the, the richer source, richer option that is newly introduced. And the finding was that for one ant species, the workers eventually switched their foraging effort to the new better one, which suggests the ants can show the flexible group decision-making, flexible collective behavior. However, the other ants, once they start exploiting the poor option, they got stuck in that option and they couldn't switch to the new option for a long time, which suggests that ant shows an example of maladaptive herding. So they asked, why can one ant species be flexible while other ants cannot? The mechanism behind was that the flexible ant relied on both social learning and relied uh, on copying others as well as on their own individual learning. However, on the other hand, the ant who couldn't switch relied very heavily on social learning. So the latter ant copied other individuals so heavily that if the copying is very strong, it makes them very inflexible. We've all heard the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans. But is this really a useful strategy for reaping the benefits of the wisdom of crowds? We asked Wataru to talk with us about conformity bias and how it can impact collective wisdom. Let's suppose that you decided to follow social information, decided to follow others' behavior, but you can still choose whom you follow. So like if you look at other individuals' behavior, some individuals go to the feeder A or choose option A, and the other individuals choosing option B. So which crowd would you follow? there's another kind of choice. And if you have strong conformity bias, your probability, your tendency to copy the majority's behavior is disproportionately higher than what you'd copy in proportion to the frequency. So uh, let's say one third of people choosing option A, then two third of people choose option B. So if your probability to follow the majority people choosing option B is higher than probability two-thirds, then you have a conformity bias. When conducting research with insects, all within the species are typically considered to be the same, with no individual differences. While this can lead to valuable models of insect behavior, 
When applied to collective intelligence among humans, Wataru had to adapt insect models to reflect people's individual differences in behavior, emotion, cognition, and their developmental aspects. As Wataru explains, these factors led him to create a model for predicting social learning strategies based on person-to-person -person idiosyncrasies. Humans are known to change their social learning strategies depending on the situation. Like for example, when you make a decision in large group, previous studies have shown that people are more likely to copy or use social information, for example. So then I came up with my research question, can I manipulate human social learning strategies by manipulating like environmental states or group size or something like that? Can I demonstrate both collective intelligence and maladaptive hardening within a single experimental task? So individual differences in human behavior is quite large. So I, I don't want to ignore that individual difference because that is one of my interests as well. How individual differences uh, in social learning and individual learning strategies can have a role in making a collective decision-making pattern. And so in general, in human studies, we normally don't want to ignore or, or oversimplify the individual differences. I think, yeah, that is a, it's a difference between what I've done in collective decision research in social insects and what I've done in collective human behavior research. Wataru carried out his research in two stages. The first involved developing a simulation to illustrate the trade-offs between accuracy and flexibility of collective decision-making. Then, to test the model developed in the simulation, he created a multiplayer experiment in which participants made repeated choices about which among three online slot machines they would play. Ryan and I were interested in learning how Wataru developed this game. Actually, developing my online experimental task was challenging to me because my task was uh, browser-based a real-time online game where people collectively play a kind of decision-making task. The aim of playing the game is collecting as much reward as possible. So basically there are three different options, three different slot machines, and each participant can choose one machine repeatedly in each round. But they didn't know which slot machine is better at the outset. So they can learn which one is better through their own experience. So they can play one slot machine, then you get certain amount of money randomly generated from the, the slot machine. But the average expected payoff was different between machines. So through their learning, they want to find the better machine. And during that task, there are also many other people participating at the same time and each participant could observe other people's choice. Before you make a choice, you can see how many people chose each machine in the previous round. So uh, let's say you think option A is better from your own experience, but you are also observing, well, option B is the most popular now. Many people are choosing option B. Well, then uh, let's try option B. So you can both uh, use social information and your own learning history. So this is the basic setup, but I manipulated two things. First, I manipulated group size. So I recruited participants using Amazon's mechanical talk. 
but I changed the maximum number of participants who can play within the group. So I manipulated it from one person. So that is not really group decision making, but just for control. So one person to maximally nearly 30 people are interacting at the same time. And also, I set three different levels of difficulty or uncertainty of, of the task. So the difference between slot machines are quite large. So it's, it was really obvious to, to learn which one is better. And then modifying the similarity between slot machines, then the most challenging task was quite challenging to distinguish between these three slot machines. People randomly assigned to each of three different difficulty setups. So then I, I investigated whether and how individuals' strategies changed in these different conditions. The two stages of Wataru's research provided precise, quantitative predictions concerning the complex relationships between individual behavior and group dynamics by adjusting parameters related to social learning, conformity bias, task uncertainty, and group size. Here, Wataru explains the results of this study. I wanted to investigate whether this model could capture these two different uh, phases of collective decision-making just by modifying these two social learning parameters. So the reason why I ran the simulation was to assure my model was a right model to investigate into my question. And then also that model, the same model was used to analyze the real human data. So we could connect the individual agent-based model simulation data and by fitting that model to real human data, then we can see how real human learning strategy changed from the perspective of this algorithmic point of view. And then the result was actually yes. So my model was able to generate these two different phases, different modes of collective decision making. And roughly speaking, when both social learning parameters are small, when individuals use social learning and individual learning and also have not very strong conformity bias, a group of individuals can be very flexible. But when two of these social learning parameters go up, then collective behavior becomes very inflexible. So the pattern of collective decision making goes to a qualitatively different phase. The computational model Wataru developed and tested for his study could describe the associations between learning strategies, collective intelligence, and maladaptive herding. But Wataru also wanted to find out which specific parameters leads to the collective wisdom or madness of crowds as he describes after this short break. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like Parsing Science's new project, Science Pods. Science Pods is a curated collection of episodes from other podcasts that are handpicked for people interested in science. You can explore new science shows that will inform your research, guide your career, or maybe make you laugh at the absurdities of scientific life. You can subscribe at sciencepods.com. That's sciencepods.com. Now, back to Parsing Science. Here again is Wataru Toyokawa. From the computational model, we couldn't say this person or this group performed better than this group because this is a different question. So using a computational model, I asked about participant learning strategies and participant learning strategies and learning parameters, but whether they performed better or not, whether collective intelligence happened or maladaptive harding happened, was a different question. 
So to investigate when collective intelligence happened, when maladaptive hardening happened, I used very conventional um, statistical regression or modeling. But our data was time series data. So in each round, individual participant give one data point. And then each data point was a, was a chain within a single individual. So uh, we need to take time series data analysis. So I took so-called hidden Markov process data uh, regression. The basic idea is the same to the conventional regression model using logistic uh, model. But the parameter of the logistic model is updating or working randomly to capture this time series nature of the data. And using that approach, we, we found collective intelligence can, can dominate in, in an easier task, but maladaptive hardening emerged when the task is difficult. In what kinds of situations might we be better off relying on our gut rather than first learning what the majority of others choose to do? Or should we use information about others' choices at one point during a multi-step decision and our own judgment at other points? Wataru shares his thoughts on these questions. I think it's almost always good if people use social information and a social individual learning if people mix uh, or, or strike the very balance between them. But it highly depends on what other people do. So let's say if you want to follow the majority, but you don't know whether this crowd is other people just copying each other, then you shouldn't just follow that majority. If you see many people just copying uh, the popular option, then there are a few people exploring things, then maybe it'd be very dangerous following that kind of crowd because there's no new information coming into this crowd at the moment. Though he started out his career studying the social behaviors of insects, Wataru later shifted to the exploration of social learning among humans. This led Ryan and I to wonder, what does he now see as the similarities and differences of these phenomena between insects and humans? Ants actually, they are very explorative. And this is actually good for asocial insects. They tend to have a very optimal mechanism for, for a group as a whole. In the human case or other like social animal, we haven't evolved to optimize group decision-making, unfortunately. So we sometimes optimize single individual decision performance, but that doesn't necessarily improve the group decision performance because exploration is actually costly in many cases. So we don't really want to explore the new unknown world by myself. So it'd be good if someone go explore the new area and then I can learn from them socially. But it's quite costly and there's no obvious reason for us to explore by myself. So this is one of the, the mechanisms that can undermine our social collective intelligence. Anita Woolley is an associate professor of organizational behavior and theory at Carnegie Mellon University and has an interest in how human collective intelligence might differ if machines or bots are part of the collective. This made Doug and I wonder what Wataru thinks may happen when people's learning is assisted by some form of artificial intelligence, such as we regularly do with our smartphones. Yeah, there's um, research. Um, the, the authors, they insert some bot algorithm 
that generates just uh, this uh, noise. When group gets stuck in some local optimum, and when they make a decision collectively, and the noise could help people escape from the local optimum. So a bot algorithm just randomly behaving can enhance the possibility of collective wisdom. And you know, the, the interesting question in my case is whether people actually use kind of social information generated by the algorithm. And then using that kind of social information is actually adaptive. The social information generated by algorithm could uh, help or could improve our decision making. For example, if the algorithm is uh, randomly walking and then they actually learn things, then it is informative to see which option this algorithm choose because this algorithm is also learning things. So this is informative. But the question is, how could people trust how this algorithm behaves or how this behavior of algorithm generated? So without knowing that, there's no obvious reason for them to rely on this algorithm. The algorithm can help people choose which information to take. You know, for example, there are various social information available online. So when you go to an online shopping website, you would see various reviews, ratings, but we don't really know how to combine this information to, to make a decision. So one possible direction using algorithms, an algorithm could pick which information to, to show each customer or each user to enhance collective intelligence. But of course, this bias inserted by the algorithm could be quite dangerous because it means someone can manipulate which information people can see and which information people cannot see. So it's really controversial. That was Wataru Toyokawa discussing his article, Social Learning Strategies Regulate the Wisdom and Madness of Interactive Crowds, which he co-authored with Andrew Whalen and Kevin Leyland and published on January 21st, 2019 in the journal Nature Human Behavior. You'll find a link to their paper at parsingscience.org e50, along with bonus audio and other materials we discussed during the episode. If you've enjoyed the first 50 episodes of Parsing Science, consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. As a sign of our thanks, you'll get access to hours of unreleased audio from all of our episodes so far, as well as the same for all of our future ones. You'll help us continue to bring you the unpublished stories of researchers from around the globe while supporting what we hope is one of your favorite science shows. If you're interested in learning more, head over to parsingscience.org support for more information. Next time, in episode 51 of Parsing Science, we'll be joined by Elise Bick, who will discuss her research which suggests that as many as 35,000 papers in biomedicine are candidates for retraction due to inappropriate image duplication. As in any profession, there's a tiny part of, uh, of persons who are uh, less honest and who produce results that we cannot trust. And it's, um, it's really hard sometimes to know which which of these papers uh, the problems are in we hope that you'll join us again